Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us today. It is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023, and it's time for our World Events Update with my good friend, uh, Randy. I want to mention a couple of uh, announcements here. We've had a great start to the week already on Monday. If you haven't listened to it yet, we did our inaugural posting of uh, our new series, Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions. So episode one dropped on Monday, uh, about an hour's worth of uh, questions that you have sent in that I answered. And uh, my list overfloweth already. So we're getting ready to record a episode two of that. Uh, I've got, I think, 20 or 30 uh, questions that we've flagged that uh, uh, are worthy of answering on that uh, on that program. So you can look forward to that here in the next uh, few days sometime. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, last night was Prophecy Night at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, and uh, had a great turnout as usual. And of course, many of you joined us by live stream, but that video and podcast has been uh, posted. A couple of special guests uh, later this week. Tomorrow, I've got uh, Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries on, and we're going to talk about the Mighty Angels of Revelation. So that's tomorrow. That one will post uh, probably tomorrow afternoon. And then on Friday, I'm so honored to have Dr. Thomas Ice on the program. That'll be a morning podcast. It should be posted by midday. Uh, We're going to be talking about debunking lies about the rapture. And there's nobody better on the planet, literally, than Tommy Ice. He's a world expert uh, in the realm of academia on uh, researching the pre-tribulational dispensational view. And uh, so we're going to kind of put to rest some of those tired old uh, you know, arguments uh, that people make against the rapture historically and show you why those are either made up or just outright lies. Um, and then on Saturday, we're going to begin a new series, a uh, uh, limited series, not sure how long it will last, but we're going to talk about preparedness. You know, we, we talk a lot here with Randy about world events uh, going on that uh, seem to be steering us right into the eye of the hurricane, so to speak. And if the Lord doesn't come back soon, uh, we may face uh, some pretty, uh, you know, wild changes in life as we know it, especially here in America. And so, we talked and we thought it would be good to do uh, a periodic segment on how to prepare for various scenarios. You know, in our NBW preparedness guide, which is available for free at notbyworks.org, just click on the resources tab and you can download the PDF right from there. Uh, but we talk about various scenarios that might happen and things that you should be considering and and ways in which you might uh, prepare for that, what types of supplies and items you might want to have on hand. Uh, but starting this coming Saturday, July 22nd, we're going to air the first in a limited series on how to prepare. And this first one is going to be focused on how to prepare for an EMP or cyber attack. So I know you'll look forward to that uh, over the weekend. But in the meantime, it is time for World Events update. And I want to share a couple of scripture passages, and I'm sure we'll talk some more about God's Word as we interact uh, here with Randy in just a moment throughout the program. But uh, I was reminded of uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart, but nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. And that's what we need in a time like this when there are so many lies, so much virtual reality, so much artificial intelligence. It's getting harder and harder to really understand what truth is. 
Uh, and that's why we need the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that will stand, God's counsel that will stand. And so I hope that you are spending time regularly uh, in the Word of God uh, and uh, using the Word of God to help build into you a, a worldview, a framework to help navigate through these unsettling times. And uh, speaking of unsettling times, uh, Randy always unsettles us with his uh, with his updates and so forth. And so, Randy, we uh, are so grateful for your time. Even though, yes, it is unsettling, uh, we know that uh, you spend a lot of time researching and kind of picking out some key news items that are some things that in the busyness of life we might not have paid attention to or noticed, and it helps us kind of stay abreast of what's going on uh, in the world. So, Randy, thanks for joining us. How you doing, my friend? I am doing just fine, and it is another ugly warm day from the high desert of Canyon City, Colorado, and I am ready for winter soon. Really? I don't know if I'm good. Well, not nuclear winter, just winter. That, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Just, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for summer. You know, we feel like we lost our summer because the first six weeks of it, we were swimming around trying to build an ark. But uh, we <laughs> finally got the floods behind us. And now we're just ready to actually, uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of dry weather. So uh, no, no winter yet. Let's hold off on the winter. We'll see how our competing prayers, how that works out. Yeah, that's a great so, idea. Let's have a little competition. You pray for snow, I'll pray for dry weather, and we'll see who's more spiritual. That'll that'll be the definitive ruling on the matter. <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're going to start off by regions today, see if we can get everybody ready for the week. Uh, let's start off with the United States of America. That's always an interesting place to say the least, and then we'll jump around to a couple other places. Uh, in case everybody hasn't noticed, we are still paying for Dr. Fauci's security detail, running into the millions of dollars every year. Now, why are we doing that? He is retired. He is no longer part of the U.S. government. He's not a president, so let him go. Let's let's see what happens. I don't think we need to waste that money, but, you know, whatever's okay. The military this week came out and said that it is a fundamental sacred obligation to fund abortions and pay for travel of military members. I saw that. that. Wow. Let that soak in for just a second. It's like, wow, hmm. we have gone the other way. All right. Mr. Biden has forgiven $39 billion in student loans. Supreme Court said it was illegal, but he's found another way he's going to try to do it. Bunch of rules and regulations. We'll see if this survives the... Uh, Scrutiny of the courts, I doubt it, but let's see what what happens. Uh, Sound of Freedom has now uh, made over $80 million at the box office, which is unbelievable considering they were hoping for 10, but it just goes to show that people want to know what's going on. Yeah, and let me... Let me chime in on that. I finally, uh, upon your recommendation and that of many others, uh, Wendy and I went and saw that over the weekend. Um, we were actually headed out of town for a a conference, but before we headed out to, to Nebraska, we uh, took the time to see that. And uh, I got to tell you, Randy, it was uh, disturbing to say the least. And I was prepared for it because I've been studying and writing and researching that about that topic for many, many years, 15, 20 years now, almost 20 years. Uh, and so I have you know, a chapter in my latest book about it. I've, I've done conferences about it. And yet I still, the, the the production quality of that film was just so outstanding, really not like 
like, you know, your typical Christian film that tends to be a little bit lower budget. It was well done. Um, but I want to comment that, you know, we're fully aware, and I know you and I have talked about this, that some of the money behind the film and some of the people involved in the film are not people that we would align with in terms of our worldview. But that wasn't the point. I mean, this wasn't a film intending to share the gospel and talk about theology and, and bring people to faith in Christ. It was simply a film that was to expose, intended to expose the dark underworld of, of this child sex trafficking. And to that extent, I think it was a, a smashing success. Uh, there are many people that were not aware of this who now are. Um, one caution I would give is that uh, it did make the comment uh, correctly so that the United States is really the leader in this ignominious, you know, uh, topic of child sex trafficking. But nevertheless, the the movie itself takes place in Colombia, based on a true story, of course, with uh, Tim Ballard. But uh, uh, people might come away from the movie thinking that that's a problem over there. You know, it's a problem in some other country. It's a problem that third world countries have. Uh, not the case at all. Both the victims as well as the so-called customers uh, in this uh, hor horrific uh, underworld are uh, from America, that this is the biggest uh, supplier and the biggest audience for that type of thing. And so and people need to realize it's in your your backyard and, uh, and, and, and pray about it and do what they can to continue to expose it. So, yeah, there were some things I, I wished it would have done better. I thought it was ironic that at the end, when Jim Caviezel, after the credits, gave his little speech he for some reason decided or the the producers decided to have him quote um steve jobs about the power of stories and man there's so many great quotes out there about the power of storytelling why in the yes. world you would use a satan worshipers quote like steve jobs is beyond me but you know again the producers and the people involved in that production are not you know, uh, well aware and connecting the dots biblically of the Luciferian conspiracy as we, as we have done. But again, to the extent that it just exposes uh, this horrific world uh, and makes people aware of it, then I applaud uh, applaud their efforts. So that's my quick take on the movie. I know people have been asking me and I had not seen it. Now that we've seen it, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's a very good take because it's like Google and everything else. There are bad parts. There are good parts. And if we can use the good parts against Satan, I'm all for it. Amen. You know, just to put it very simply. Okay. So we have a new bioweapon that we're going to need to worry about. This is a new virus. It's much more deadly than COVID, any of those. And it goes after children. Now, it's called the Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus. It is tick-borne. And it was discovered back in the 12th century, but then they forgot about it. But somebody a few years ago goes, wow, you know, that could be a problem again. Hasn't been seen in 500 years, but here it comes. It has a 40 to 60 percent fatality rate. Um, there's a vaccine that comes from mouse brains, which is great to know. I mean, what what problems could we have with that? Right. <laughs> now, the problem is, if we go back to COVID and all of those Seems that Mr. Gates and a bunch of his cronies were involved. Mysteriously, they found a treatment for this back in 2011. Hmm. Now, if I recall, COVID, they were discussing in 2012. So you see, they've had all of this stuff brewing for years, and now here it comes. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if this takes over the avian bird flu, Marburg, etc. But 
something to watch for because this one looks like it could be a problem and it looks like they know a lot more about it than we do. Yeah, and to clarify COVID, we have documented evidence in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1, Chapter 9, that it goes all the way back to 2001. I mean, they were they were okay. planning this so and, even, you know, yes. in various sectors and talking about it. But yeah, by 2012, it was a, a key part of their agenda for sure. All right. Then we have our friends at NASA. They are uh, launching little groups of satellites called Starlink satellites. These are little cubes, and they form a swarm, and they have autonomous positioning, networking, maneuvering, and decision-making. Now, the scary thing about that, how nicely that's going to work in with AI. They plan on putting thousands of these into the air. And if you ever look at a map of all the satellites that are currently in orbit, pretty soon we're not going to see the sun or the moon because there's so much debris in there. But they've started launching those. They are working already. And it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to use these to take over for Starlink. Um, Russia has threatened to take Starlink totally out of the skies. And I think NASA is preparing ahead of time. So we'll see how that develops. Uh, another disturbing thing in our missiles. Um, back in, well, during Obama's term, he and the Russians decided on a strategic arms limitation in which Mr. Obama took 50 of the missiles in our um, sponge, as I call it, which is basically Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska, Colorado. He took 50 of them offline. Now, he reduced the other ones to one warhead instead of three. Now, this last week, they were caught putting these missiles back in the silos. So the rumor also goes that they're going to add additional warheads to the ones already in the silos. Now, my question is, if there wasn't an attack or something coming, why would we put 50 more nuclear missiles in the silos? That would make no sense whatsoever. But obviously, they're doing it, so they're planning something. Yeah. And when's the last time we did something like that, opened up these silos and, and toyed with these missiles? I mean, it's been decades, right? Well, it would have been when Obama was in office. Yeah. So it would have been quite a while ago, be, you know, before they have done anything with them whatsoever. Yeah. And it's and concerning. So, yeah, it, it definitely is a noteworthy thing. When I saw that, I thought this should be front page news. I mean, uh, you know, you think about, I, I guess I was forgetting that the time frame was Obama when he decommissioned them. But even before that, during the, you know, the Cold War and when we finally de-escalated, uh, you know, we started, you know, dismantling some of our uh, missiles. Uh, you know, that was big news. And now to sort of subtly, you know, start rebuilding those and rearming those and, and nobody really pays attention uh, that that's disturbing. I mean, that could be a big deal, right? Well, I would think so. I mean, when you're putting 50 missiles plus the war additional warheads on there, that increases our capacity completely. My question is, where have those 50 missiles been stored? Because they're already built. Hmm. They just have to maneuver them into the silo. So it's going to be real interesting to see what we're doing with everything else, because current Miniman 3 missile system is supposed to be replaced in the next 10 years. And I forget what the name of that is, but it's going to be a one and a half trillion dollar job. 
So not only are we putting the missiles back, but we have new missiles coming online. Uh, are we going to build some new missile fields or are we going to decommission them? I mean, it looks to me like this administration is hell-bent on a war somewhere with somebody as soon as they can. And as we go through the rest of the stuff for the day, I think it'll become pretty obvious what's going on. Now, there were some U.S. companies that after the Russian invasion and the embargo was put on Russian products, they decided they'd go ahead and help the Russians anyway. One was SLB, one was Baker Hughes, and the other was Halliburton. And SLB basically was supplying the Russians with oil service technology and equipment up until just a couple of months ago. So obviously, the almighty dollar is more important than the national security. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that nobody cracked down on those in a year and a half. Makes and the SLB no is, um, is Schlumberger, right? One of the leading oil services companies. I, I think that's what it's called, yes, yeah. but I didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you want to put sanctions on Russia, then you circumvent the sanctions – Besides hurting the American people and many people across the world, what did they do? Nothing. Hmm. Profits are still there for big companies. Everything's moving as is. Um, It's a mess. All right. Ukraine. This gets interesting. Okay. Now, as we know, Ukraine's fired. um, Well, the Ukrainian Navy supposedly took responsibility for blowing up the bridge in Crimea, or at least part of it. Now, the Ukrainian Navy has less ships than the SS Minnow on Gilligan's Island. So they didn't do anything. It was either British or American. All right. Now, we know the British have underwater drones. So do we. But anyway, they blew it up and Putin didn't like that. So he retaliated against uh, Odessa last night and he made a mess of them. It was... uh, it was a large attack. A lot of it's destroyed. And this is just going to get worse because now we have Crimea fighting against the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians want to take out Crimea. But Putin said, if you attack Crimea, we're going nuclear. So something's going to be happening because NATO now is openly discussing war against Russia. Before, they were in their meetings discussing it. But now, all the time, they're talking about it. Yeah, now... now let me let me uh, let me ask a hypothetical question. Since you brought up the SS Minnow, if if uh, not by works were Gilligan's Island, which one of us would be skipper and which one of us would be Gilligan? I'm just curious how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as the skipper and me as the less intelligent little sidekick, or uh, or maybe I'm no, the no, professor? No, no. You 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 be you be the skipper. I'll be the professor. Oh, okay. All right. So okay. I'm the skipper and you're the professor. Okay. Yes. I don't I don't want to necessarily be the leader of a ship that I grounded. Yeah, well, that's I true. I would be available for technical well, assistance. Well, how come how come neither of us can be the rich Mr. Howell? That's what I want to be. You know, that guy's a loser. That would come in handy. <laughs> yes, he is. No, you gotta laugh. I mean, it's a little bit of gallows humor here, but you gotta be lighthearted, or this stuff would just make you want to crawl in a cave and die, right? Well. Pretty much. I mean, at the same time, all of this is going on. Russia has suspended the grain deal with Ukraine. Now, I want you to guess where all of that grain is going to go. It's going to India and China. It's not going to the African nations that need it so bad where they're starving. It's going to the two with cash. 
Now, as far as Russia goes, that's that's not a surprise. I mean, really. But this morning, I heard that Mr. Prigozhin, who has his little army in Belarus, is now moving to Africa. Now, why would he move to Africa? Let's go back and visit the Gog, Magog scenario where so many African nations will be taking place and part with that attack. The Chechens have now moved in with their little army to replace Prigozhin and the Wagner group. So they're going to be spearheading it. There now are missiles and there's still some Wagner group in Belarus to uh, fire those off if they need them. But you can see the reason Russia does not start a nuclear attack right now, they know what would happen in a tit for tat fight with the United States or NATO or anybody else. They are saving everything for the big battle. Now, I don't think most people are going to understand that, but if you pull up a map of Belarus, you see that Prigozhin was two hours away from Vilnius, Lithuania. He was moved there as a threat to NATO when they had their meeting. Just to emphasize, we could be there in two hours and our nukes could be there in three minutes. Now he's moving to Africa. What other reason would there possibly be for Prigozhin and his 60,000 troops be to move to Africa? They're playing the long game. And I think we're going to see how all of this is going to work because Turkey, Turkey is in financial dire financial straits. Turkey is a good friend and ally of Russia, but now they're begging for money from the European Union. All the Mid-Eastern Mid states like Syria, Saudi Arabia, etc. Now, I think what's going to happen, Putin needs the Dardanelles and the gate to the Mediterranean from the Black Sea at Istanbul. I think what Putin is doing is maneuvering Erdogan into a place where, hey, you know, you've got all these monetary problems. We have more than enough money. We're going to help you, but we would like to share control of that area with you. Once Putin has everything in the Ukraine that he needs, which he's getting very quickly, he can then move all of his naval power, submarines and everything, from the Black Sea to the Mediterranean seamlessly. He can then come around and be at the Western doorstep of Israel in a matter of a day or two. Yeah. So he's playing a long game that I don't think anybody's realizing yet. He doesn't care about Ukraine. He wanted the Southern ports. He wanted all of their assets. And Ukraine basically is left now landlocked with nothing to support themselves. And Putin is not in a rush to do anything. He's got what he wants and needs. He can now move his armies and navy at will. So I think we're going to see the long game. Uh, if you watch it, you are watching Bible history. Yeah, I mean, you, we say it often, and you mentioned it already, that, you know, this is the stage setting for the Battle of Gog and Magog. For those who may not know, that's the Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle that's described there. It's a Gog from the land of Magog. That's Russia. And it talks about, you know, in the in the biblical terminology, countries like Persia, Ethiopia, Put, Gomer, Tomarga, but those correspond to modern day Iran, Sudan, Libya, Turkey, and Syria. So you mentioned the African nations there. You've got Sudan and Libya, and absolutely, this is this is all kind of coming together. We don't know exactly where in Bible prophecy 
the battle of Gog and Magog fits. I believe it happens after the rapture because I believe all prophecy happens after the rapture. The rapture is the next great prophetic event. Um, I think other scholars put it sometime during the tribulation period. Uh, could be. My best guess has always been that the battle of Gog and Magog takes place after the rapture, but prior to the signing of the covenant uh, establishing the seven-year tribulation period. So in that gap of time between the rapture and the formal start of the tribulation, uh, and I think it's a lot of what sets the stage for the rise of the Antichrist and the and the peace uh, that he's going to try to proclaim. Uh, but regardless, whenever it happens, I mean, you'd have to be asleep at the wheel not to recognize that all of the players that are described there in God's Word are now working together and collaborating and and coming uh, together to to form this alliance. Yes, and I think I think you're, the scenario you mentioned with the rapture, then Gog Magog, and then the covenant between the Antichrist and Israel. I think that I agree. That's totally how it's going to lay out. Now, our friends to the north of us, the Canadians, are having evidently a lot more trouble than what we knew. Um, Basically, 28% of the population is going to be given food stamps shortly, mm. which tells me that they're having some problems. Now, what they're going to do is give them a, a monthly income, like we talked about last week, like many countries and even the United States is playing with, lure them in, give them what they need, and then you have control. If they're counting on you for food, lodging, etc., you can make them do what you want to do with Fed now, CBDC is coming. I think we're going to see that happen. Now, the Canadian fires are now in excess of 10 million hectares, mm. which is 40,000 square miles. Mm. That is as big as the state of Kentucky. Mm. And as they said, fire season hasn't even started up there yet. This is anticipated to go on for months. They have no way to put it out. And um, the situation in northern Canada is going to be dire. So the Canadians are having a lot of problems, and we need to watch what goes on up there. Because Mr. Trudeau is a socialist, uh, World Economic Forum, young globalist. He is um, definitely one of those that's way, way, way to the left. And he's got some interesting ideas on euthanasia on where he thinks his people should go. And he thinks that China basically is the type of economy he'd like to see in place. So for a freedom-loving group in Canada, they should watch out because they're in trouble. Yeah. All right. Moving along to China, our friends. Now, last week I made some comment about Janet Yellen. If she would have bowed one more time, she'd have fell on her face. Now, I come to find out that she had four servings of psychedelic mushrooms before the meeting. So I'm pretty much sure she doesn't remember the meeting. Now, you have to wonder, okay, she's there making an idiot of themselves. John Kerry goes, going to be the big shot. He come back with nothing. So basically, the Chinese are still our adversary, and they are probably the most dangerous adversary we have. Um, their AI is rewriting the Bible, and Jesus will now be a killer instead of a loving, peaceful, bringing everyone together savior. They are making him out to be a beast so that they can continue the mind games they play with their people. Um, the United States has basically suffered from 61 million abortions since it was legalized. 
China has mandated 363 million abortions Mm. since they began that. Now, they are actually to the point where their population is reducing. Most of the population is now of an older age. Uh, China can't provide cheap labor anymore. And as they depopulate, they're not going to have the people to come back and help the nation survive. 50 countries in the world make cheaper products than the Chinese do. Now, the Chinese, basically a couple of weeks ago, as we had talked about, they had um, suspended, as of August 1st, any of the heavy metals that we need for computers, radar, etc. They are trying to reset everything. Um, but remember, they also, as far as the supply chain, they control medications. They control different parts of the computers, a lot of food, etc. So if they shut all of that down, the United States is no longer going to be able to go to Walmart and buy cheap products. We're actually going to have to buy them if we can get them, spend much more money than we're used to. And it's going to create a real problem because this country is on a bubble that I believe is just about ready to go. Mm-hmm. Now, on the economy, there are $10 trillion in the money markets, not banks. So the banks have had all this money withdrawn. They are basically on a bubble, ready to go. Um, central banks across the world have purchased more gold in the last year than ever before. We all knew that. We've, we've been talking about that. When Russia comes out with their currency based on gold in a couple of weeks, it's going to be a digitized ruble based on gold. Now, that's not necessarily the BRICS currency, but this is going to be Russia's currency. So when it comes to competition on the global market, what's the United States going to be able to do when their total economy is based on debt, Russia's based on gold? That's going to cause some real problems as far as investments go, as far as treasuries being purchased by other countries. Um, Our world as we know it is going to be suffering some shortages due to that situation, due to the strikes that are going on. UPS strike is supposedly coming down the road here August 1st. So we're going to have supply side problems like we had a couple years ago during COVID. Prices are going up. There are enough uh, droughts in the United States and floods that the markets are going to be affected for cattle, pork, chickens, grains, such as wheat and corn. And um, there are going to be some severe shortages this fall. Yeah. And I I just going back to the Russia thing, I just saw an article across my inbox uh, this morning that's dated today, July 19th from the Off Guardian uh, newspaper. Uh, This uh, is uh, the headline is Russia introduces digital ruble as a central bank digital currency. And so the Bank of Russia, which is their central bank, has designated as the sole operator, has been designated as the sole operator of the digital ruble platform. And they will be responsible for all aspects of Russia's CBDC, including functionality, safety, and the correct accounting of transactions, which of course is where what we've talked about a lot, which is full spectrum planetary totalitarian control. And so uh, these are the kind of things that, as I mentioned 
in a recent a podcast are kind of happening independently out there. And, and everybody, unless you're really paying attention to all of it, it, it sort of escapes your notice. But what I believe is this this is all kind of happening and getting ready for them to kind of plug it in so that they're all of these independent uh, CBDCs become interconnected. Uh, but given what we know about the BRICS nations and uh, them, you know, talking about having their own gold-backed currency. Uh, this was a pretty big news item uh, today that the the Russia, you know, Russia has introduced a digital ruble as the currency of choice for uh, the central bank there. Well, and the thing is, I think in the next few months we're going to see two factions. The West will either be governed by the dollar or the euro. The East will either be the yuan or the ruble, or something else if they develop it. But that's okay if they trade in different currencies. That lessens our influence and our wealth. But what are they going to use to bring those two together? You have to have a clearinghouse deciding on what the values are so the trade can transpire. So that will be, will it be the IMF? Will it be something else? SWIFT, which is what they use now, is going to be gone. So there's going to be an upheaval and a lot of questions. Now, when the gold, when the ruble takes effect, I think you're going to see a big change in the value of gold and silver. Because all of a sudden, Russia is going to be dealing in gold. No longer will there be an artificial price set like we have now. Gold should be worth much more than it is. Silver should be. So we're going to see some really interesting things happening here the next few months. Yeah, and so, silver, silver and gold have gone up. Silver's gone up 34% in the last year. I mean, any other investment with that type of increase would just be unheard of. And yet, you know, the controlled precious metals markets, they 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 manipulate it, you know, day by day. But it's gone just in the last month, it's gone up five percent. So, you know, that's uh that's something to keep your eye on too, because if you're going to uh, you know, stock up on precious metals as a commodity to use in a crisis as a means of exchange and bartering. Uh, you want to try to get it, you know, while you can, because it's going to only go up. Now, I don't look at it from an investment standpoint. Many people do, and and that's fine. Uh, I'm I don't recommend. Uh, first, first of all, I'm not a financial advisor, but just from you know being uh, one who believes in preparedness, uh, Proverbs twenty two three. Uh, the wise man sees trouble coming and prepares for it. You know, I think it's wise to have some type of means of exchange that is, you know, useful in a bartering situation. Um, so I, you know, you can look at it from an investment standpoint. Oh, I bought it at this and it's gone up, and so I've increased my my portfolio. But to me, it's all about physically holding those commodities. And so, from a pragmatic perspective, now's the time to do it because it seems to be going up now. It's manipulated. So tomorrow we could talk and it might have gone down 10%. I, I don't know. But uh, the, the markets, both the, the stock market and the um, commodities markets are something to keep your eye on because when there are major changes, that usually means something's afoot. Now, people a lot smarter than me uh, that are awake to the conspiracy, you know, they can perhaps predict what it means more specifically. I just know enough from years of study to know that when there are big swings, something's going on behind the scenes. Well, and obviously, when we start talking about preparing and surviving an EMP or some type of a cyber attack, they are really going to be important then. Yeah. Because they have intrinsic value. 
the dollar, I always said, keep the dollar to be used as toilet paper, keep your metals to negotiate. (laughs) And that's getting more true every day. Yeah, you mentioned that in a recent uh, tech stream that we were involved in, and I I feel compelled to point out because we have so many more listeners. Uh, I think our last, our, our, our listener, listening audience to World Events Update, our weekly conversation with Randy continues uh, to uh, increase. I think we were over 7,000 last week. Uh, but since we do have a big audience, I want to mention, speaking of the you know uh, dollar bills as toilet paper, uh, you know, if you have excess toilet paper, not by works would be glad to take that off your hands. Uh, we, we would love to stockpile some quote unquote toilet paper in the form of Federal Reserve notes. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yes. And if you have any excess, Feel free to blast them on down here too. Absolutely, you know, yeah. We'll share. Always willing to store that. <laughs> yeah. Moving right along, we have a company in the United States called Conception that is now in the final stages of making a human egg from a stem cell. Mm. It is called in vitro gametogenesis, and supposedly they're hoping within the next year, year and a half they will have a human egg ready for fertilization. Now, I don't know if that scares anybody else, but I don't think that was in God's plan. Maybe I missed something, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. I missed the memo, but it just goes to show you how far they're going and that they will stop at nothing. So something to uh, keep in mind. Mm -hmm. All right, AI, one of my favorite things to go over. All right, AI is totally out of out of control. I don't know what to say about this. I like listening to Shane's podcast and see what he says. And then it is it a day later and the world is going bananas with something else. Um, we now have two programs. One is called Recor, R-E-K-O-R, and the other one is called Flock, F-L-O-K. These are basically surveillance platforms that are used by law enforcement and the military. Basically, what they are doing, they are setting up, you'll see cameras on streets, um, you know, in front of stores that law enforcement uses, military uses, whatever. This program or these programs can be added to that. And basically what they do is they scan your license plates and take a bunch of information while you are driving by. Um, Basically, how fast you're going, where you're going. And they have enough of an AI memory that they could anticipate if you are going to a crime, if you have committed a crime, or if your driving is suspicious. Now, how they're going to know something like that, what algorithm they use, I, I have no idea. But when it's checking your travel to see if your journey is typical of a criminal, um, we're going, we're going um, proven guilty before you're actually tried. Now, it's only taking place in a few areas, but it scans, and I believe this was in New York City, 16 million vehicles a week. So yeah, if you've got an outstanding park it, ticket, if you've got any kind of a ticket, if you're behind on your taxes, or if there's a warrant out for you, it nails you right there. 
Yeah, t- last week, uh, not yesterday, but the week before, and in uh, Prophecy Night, we talked about how America is declining, and specifically in the area of liberties and constitutional rights. And I talked about this ALPR uh, technology, automated license plate recognition, and how pervasive it is. I can't remember the exact number. I think it was forty. Yeah, forty-three states had already install installed this flock. Uh, ALPR that flocks the manufacturer. And so uh, it really is something now, you know, the naive among us are going to sit there and say, oh, well, if you're there's no warrant out for your arrest and you're obeying the law, why do you care? That's just so naive. I don't even think it justifies uh, or dignifies an answer. Um, You know, we have inalienable rights as human beings. We're not, you know, uh, it's not proper to be spying on us at, you know, every second of every day. And so that's what China does. I mean, you know, and we are fast becoming uh, another complete uh, totalitarian, uh, you know, police state the same way China is. And people are openly saying that, you know, people in Congress are actually and and certainly the World Economic Forum and some of those other organizations are openly saying we need to be more like China in that regard, because it's all about control. They, the Luciferians, want full spectrum control, and they can do that uh, externally. Someday they're going to be doing it internally. Right now, uh, you know, we we don't have uh, the mark of the beast that will come after the Antichrist and after the rapture. Right now, we don't have pervasive injected uh, microchips and other types of things. Uh, so they are managing this control system externally through cameras and listening devices and other tracking devices. And so it is a a real uh, a problem and one that I think, you know, more and more, we're going to see more and more of in the days to come. Definitely. I mean, the city of Santa Monica, all right, now on their city buses, they have a monitor hooked up to AI. If it sees you illegally parked, if you are in the way of the bus, it automatically writes you a ticket right there and basically sends it back to AI and the computers to be mailed out to you with a, um, you know, good morning, here's your $300 fine. Now, New York and D.C. are interested in that. Chicago has been checking license plates on vehicles for years. And basically, they go down at night when everybody's parked, and they scan the vehicles along the street. Anybody that has an outstanding warrant, overdue tickets or whatever, they immediately boot them. Mm-hmm. And then the price of getting out of there costs you a lot more. Mm-hmm. All right. So now one thing you need to worry about, because this just came out, there is now, uh, what do I want to say, an AI that's called Worm GPT. Basically what it is, it's an offshoot from Chat GPT. Only this thing will enter your email, access your bank accounts, your um, credit cards, etc. It's a hacking unit, but it has much more capability. It's much faster, and it's spreading by email. So it has no ethical boundaries. Basically, the hacker that uses it will obtain your information. More than likely, you will not even know he was there. So AI going rogue before it even got out. We have to love that. The uh, the AI on the national level, nobody really wants to speak about how far that is down the road, if it's sentient or not, which I don't believe it's quite there, but I think it's getting really close. 
But people should understand the United States military is really, really, really going ahead with AI. Now the F-35 fighters, the Aegis um, cruisers, the entire battlefield is going to be commanded by AI. People aren't going to be making the decisions they used to. Now, AI is in charge. What could possibly go wrong with that, right? So we need to remember we have so many different threats. We have the economy. We have wars. We have AI. We have disease. We have food. Um, I don't know where you excuse me where you sort all of that. Uh, it's hard to say what is the predominant problem that we need to address. But when we go over surviving EMPs, cyber, etc., there are some books and stuff I would like people to have, or at least be aware of, because it's going to help a lot. Uh, our first podcast will be longer than the rest, but we're going to go over different things you have to know so you can tell the difference. And to, now, to remind people, that's going to be Saturday, uh, July 22nd. We're going to do a limited series on weekends called How to Prepare, and we're going to kick it off with How to Prepare for an EMP or Cyber Attack. So you can look forward to that this coming Saturday. Yes, and you need to download Pastor's Preparedness List because it's the most complete list I've ever seen. Don't feel bad if you can't get all of those items by the time something happens. I've been being preparing for years and I've got about halfway through. So if you own a Walmart and maybe a sporting goods store, you're going to have a lot better chance getting all of that fast enough. But there are certain things you're going to need to know. Now, some books I suggest are called The Wilderness Survival Guide, which is by Jason Marsner, M-A-R-S-T-E. I-N-E-R, the World Radio TV Handbook, W-R-T-H. It is a directory of every radio and TV station in the world, gives you the location, gives you the call sign, gives you the frequency, etc. That way, if communications go out and you find a channel you can listen to, at least you're going to have an idea where it's located. That may make a difference. But if you don't have a ham radio, GMRS, if you don't have shortwave, at least get a radio that has AM. Because what little bit this is, that is available will probably be broadcast there. The next book is the SAS Survival Handbook. That will give you everything you need to know. Plants, animals, first aid, evasion techniques, etc. I mean, and I know that's available on Amazon. The other ones are too. Then we have the uh, Emergency Communication Handbook by ARRL, which is the uh, American Radio Relog or Relay League. And the last one is Strategic Relocation by Joel Skousen. And that is basically the gentleman that the, uh, writes the World Affairs Brief every week. And I would say get that because it's it's got valuable information as far as the country goes, each state goes. Um, how to avoid population centers, where the first attacks are probably going to take place. If you get those, you need those in either hardcover, softcover, whatever. But it needs to be in writing because if the computers are down, you're not going to have access. Same yeah, way with your, your 
preparedness guide. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Another thing you can do is start printing out uh, PDFs that you can find. There's a wealth of information on the web in terms of the preparedness world. Um, you know, we keep a folder electronically of uh, you know, all of this, these PDF documents, well-titled, so you can search by title and find, you know, the key concepts and, and topics that you're looking for. But we've also printed them out and stapled them to, you know, as units and put them in a, in our bug out preparedness stash. And so one of the things I love about Joel Skousen's book uh, is that it, and it, again, it's called strategic relocation, is that it gives you bug out routes from every major metropolitan area in all 50 states. And so, uh, for some of our listeners, you live in a metropolitan area. You you don't have the the uh, luxury of of living kind of off the grid or out not literally off the grid, but out in the country where you can kill a deer or fish or you know burn firewood for heat that kind of thing. <clears throat> so, in depending on what happens and where it happens, you may need to bug out. So, uh, but I want to save. I want to you know, don't want to get too far afield uh, because I want folks to listen on Saturday to our preparedness yes. uh, for our first yes. installment of our of how to prepare for an EMP or uh, 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 cyber attack. So, um, but you know, as far as uh, the economy, I just wanted to mention, as I've said before. Uh, you know, you you always are good about bringing up the different signs and the different sort of news items and providing some insights on that. Uh, but one of these days, one of these days, we are going to see a calamitous uh, collapse of some kind. And I think the economy is going to be kind of the first indication of that. So what else have you got for us in the way of world events update? Basically, nothing new on FedNow yet. It's got to be out by the end of the month. So we'll know one of these Wednesdays when we're talking. Um, when we go over the EMP and we go over cybersecurity and stuff like that, I want you to have a pen and paper there. And I want you to take some notes if you're so inclined. There's going to be a lot of information. there. I'm going to try to explain different avenues that this stuff could occur, what you can do, what you can't do. And you can always go back and listen to the podcast. 10 times if you need to. But if you have friends, relatives, or whatever, you should all be aware of what we're going to talk about on Saturday because it may very well make a difference if you or do or do not survive. Yeah, for sure. Well, I tell you what, Randy, you know, I want to end where we started, and that is with the urgency uh, you know, of the hour. Uh, James chapter four comes to mind, where in verse 13. James says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. In other words, come now, you who say, hey, life is going on as normal. We've got all these plants and so forth. He says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Here in Colorado, of course, it's the middle of the summer right now. And we're experiencing a heat wave like a lot of the country. But uh, in the winter, we know about that vapor that appears for a, just a split second and then is gone. When you walk out into a very cold winter day and you can see your breath as you're breathing, but it just it you know it just disappears instantly, precisely the way the chemtrails don't. By the way, uh, but that's the, the word picture that James is talking about here is that that's life. You know, in the grand scheme of eternity, 
life is but a vapor and we're not promised tomorrow, as James said. So if you're listening to this program, and I know we do get a lot of new listeners pretty regularly, praise God for that. But we want you to know that at Not By Works Ministries, our passion, as I said at the outset, is the good news, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ as the only one who can forgive sin and give you the gift of eternal life. And I hope uh, that today, uh, if you've not trusted in Christ, that you will make that the priority today, knowing that you're not promised tomorrow. And eternal salvation is not a matter of uh, how hard you work or how much you try or where you go to church or how religious you are. It's not a contract or an agreement or a, a promise or pledge to do good works. It's it's not any of that. It is a simple matter of trusting in Jesus Christ to save you. Who are you trusting in? Who is your hope in? Uh, what is your hope of eternal life? Is it just uh, kind of a roll of the dice? Well, I hope I'm good enough. That that's That's not wise, because you will hear those dreadful words when you die, depart from me, I never knew you. We want you to know Jesus, and the only way to do that is by placing your faith in Him. It's a simple matter of of, of saying something like, you know, there's no prayer, there's no formula that saves you. But if you were to be honest before God and say something like, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. And I know that my sin has a steep penalty, which involves a literal eternity in hell. And so, Lord, today I'm trusting in Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior, as the one who trust, who took my place on the cross, died for my sins personally, and rose again defeating death, hell, and the grave. And I'm trusting in him as the only one, by virtue of his victory and the payment paid, has the authority to give me eternal life. And I trust him for that today. So if you have trusted in Christ uh, today for the first time, let us know. Shoot us an email at notbyworks.org. Uh, for those of you who already know the Lord, continue to walk by faith and trust in him. And Randy, uh, as always, great intel today, great info. We look forward to talking twice this week on uh, Saturday as we begin to talk a little bit about how to prepare uh, for an EMP or cyber attack. Any closing thoughts? Prepare for the worst, hope for the best, and make sure you are right with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, God bless you, everyone. Again, great week ahead. Lots of uh, Lots of great stuff down, coming down the pike tomorrow. We've got uh, Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries talking about the mighty angels of Revelation. On Friday, we've got Dr. Thomas Ice debunking those tired old lies about the rapture that people like to perpetuate on the internet. And then, of course, as mentioned on Saturday, we've got Randy back on how to prepare for an EMP or cyber attack. Until then, everyone, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk again soon.